It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, we have week six NFL headlines for you. Plus, fantasy football files as always with Jason Kamlowski, a playoff baseball update, and so much more. You don't want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. you connected this is dave johnson voice of the washington wizards you have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man josh kirby on sports podcast welcome back to another episode of the josh kirby on sports podcast as always i am your host josh kirby as always we're part of the mayo please podcast network make sure to find quinn and his team www.mayoplease.com and on twitter at the mayo please as always we're sponsored by route 11 chips make sure you find a bag today inside your local martin's food line and giant stores and as always we are sponsored by pm plus reserve so thank you to them also, big thanks to MPT Now Productions, Dave Johnson, and JR Beats Official for everything they do for this podcast. We're rolling right along here, and what a week of football it has been. Week 6, we have a lot of headlines to get to, a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's dive right in. And the first thing I want to talk about... Two teams who started the season off great, they're going downhill fast. And I'm talking about the Los Angeles Rams and the Dallas Cowboys. Both teams have dropped three straight. So looking at the Los Angeles Rams first, this is a big shocker to me. They started off strong at 3-1 and one during the season. And they take a huge hit. From behind, I wasn't expecting this. Losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 55-40. to Then in Week 5, they go ahead and lose to Seattle by a point on Thursday night. And here you are Week 6. They lose to the undefeated San Francisco 49ers, 20-7. to a game where Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay used to coach together in Washington. Now they're facing against each other. And I'm I'm very surprised by this. And well, I'll get into San Francisco being undefeated in a little bit. But I, I'm very, very, very surprised that the Rams dropped three straight. Because the Rams looked like a great team. And they're just not playing up to standards, you know? Like, you're looking here. Jared Goff isn't putting up near as many numbers as you have seen him in previous games. And, I I mean, their run game just looked non-existent. 
So it it's just a matter of how are you going to turn things around at this point? And I was talking about last week, should the Browns hit the panic button? Is it time for the Rams to possibly hit the panic button and try to salvage this season to try to get into the playoffs? So, interesting thing there. How is Sean McVay going to handle this? Because Sean McVay, he is a very young head coach in the league still. One of the youngest um, behind... Um, behind Zach Taylor now, I think, now that he's a new head coach in the league. But um, it, it was crazy to see. And moving right into the 49ers, they're just looking like a come-from-the-behind sleeper team. And they're undefeated. They are 5-0. and And it's crazy to see Kyle Shanahan after a terrible season he had last year to turn things around and um uh funny fact the only two teams in the NFL that are defeated at this point are the New England Patriots with Tom Brady under center and the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo under center and both of those quarterbacks used to play on the same team starter backup combo so um that was an interesting stat to see uh, San, San Francisco looks great, though. I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure if I'd call them the best in the NFC yet. Um, some people are saying, who is the best team in the NFC? Because this season, there hasn't been a clear front runner for the best team in the NFC. Uh, I mean, obviously, you look at Seattle and, like, yeah, they're playing decent. They're five and one, and that could be a front runner. But still, you have the 49ers undefeated. But the NFC is looking very, very surprising and sort of weak, in my opinion, this season. So, um, uh, th- that's why that's what made this week so interesting. And another game you look at the Dallas Cowboys losing to the winless New York Jets. Sam Darnold's first game back since week one after being out with mono and give you the stats on Sam Darnold. He had 338 yards with two touchdowns and one interception. And Dak Prescott, he he didn't fire a touchdown or an interception that game. And man, and uh, uh, let me just talk about Dallas's kicker, Brett Maher. Going into halftime, he kicks a 62-yarder. But then when it really counts, there's a 40-yard field goal that he ends up missing. So that's that was sort of surprising to me. Their kicker is inconsistent, um, putting up points that they needed. And Dallas... Th- there's a problem in Dallas, and I think that's why Jerry Jones is hesitant to re-sign Dak Prescott and re-sign their coach, Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett's contract is up at the end of this regular season, and Dak's is up at the end of this season, too. So there are questions that should be answered in Dallas, and I'm not sure how they are being answered but it's going to be interesting to see um, next week this Sunday night matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys if they can 
get the job done next week. And this is another team um, I'm questioning, should they hit the panic button? So a lot of teams are not looking good, who, in my opinion, I would think should look good at week six in the NFL season. Um, other other storylines that pop out to me, um, Atlanta Falcons, why are you keeping Matt Bryant? Why? He missed an extra point to tie the game. And the Arizona Cardinals beat you by a point because Matt Bryant could not make an extra point. That's just crazy to me. Matt Bryant retired but came out of retirement to play this season. So, yeah, another thing, I mean, the Falcons just bit themselves there by Matt Bryant missing the extra point. Everything else for the Falcons looked pretty good. Matt Ryan spot on with four touchdowns, but still, and the running game for the Falcons still looks non-existent, in my opinion, with Devontae Freeman. He is underperforming, in my opinion. So, uh, why do you have him? That That's my only question. Why do you have Matt Bryant? I don't know. But um, Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints... Moving over to the Saints-Jaguars game, still looking good. Um, it was a, it wasn't a high-scoring game, thirteen to six. The Saints move on to five and one. But Teddy Bridgewater looks like he is doing a great job in place of Drew Brees. So um, there, um, we'll talk about the Tank Bowl next, because why not? Um, the Redskins and Bill Callahan's um, debut as interim head coach. Um, Redskins, you know, they looked decent. Uh, Keenum had two touchdowns. Peterson ran for 118 yards, and they they ran the football. They stuck to the run game, and they gave Peterson the ball. Jay Gruden shied away from that, but Adrian Peterson got the football, got the work in, and they got it done. They They got the job done, but... Uh, Terry McLaurin, he looked great as well. Um, but uh, the thing, in my opinion, the Redskins did not play well in that game. I mean, they played decent. Their running game, their receiving core, and Case Keenum looked all right. But the the thing is, they're playing the 0-5 Miami Dolphins at the time, and it they still are down by like what was it here they're down they're up 7 to 3 at halftime so like seriously you can't score more points against the dolphins but then the redskins go up 10 nothing in the third quarter then in the fourth quarter Josh Rosen gets benched after being after reports are saying Josh Rosen will be the starter for the rest of the season, getting benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick puts up 13 points. And, well, you know, touchdown, and they're down by a point. They decide, The Dolphins decide to go for two, and a terrible, terrible play call by whoever is calling the plays in Miami I, I assume which is Brian Flores, but wow. Like, you just throw a screen pass and the guy drops it. 
and the onside kick gets recovered by the Redskins, and you have a 17-16 to Redskins win. Redskins' first win of the season. So Miami is struggling. I, I, I'm going to say that. Miami is really struggling. The Redskins are trying to salvage the season. There were some promising stats I liked in Peterson and McLaurin still. Um, but a lot to work on for both teams. And the Tank Bowl was nothing less than a back-and-forth close game between two terrible teams. Um, Kansas City, another team, should they hit the panic button. Um, Patrick Mahomes and his ankle injury. Uh, reports are saying um, his ankle is getting re-aggravated. So I'm not sure if that had anything to do with the loss. 31-24. to Houston, 4-2 and on the season with that um, victory. And um, Carlos Hyde, the, w- what, what a game he had. 26 carries, 116 yards. Deshaun Watson, not the best game with two interceptions. Uh, but the the chief uh, this was a close game but i thought the chiefs would bounce back you know because you, you know the chiefs last week they lost to indianapolis in week 5 and i thought they would be hungry to get a win after losing but they dropped two straight so uh, another team in the afc which now i i think they're struggling and patrick mahomes health is going to play a big factor into next week's game, in my opinion. If And they're on a short week, too, against Denver on Thursday night. So, Pat Mahomes, will he be healthy for that Thursday night game? The Broncos aren't the best team, but with Patrick Mahomes out, I, I'm not sure. I I'm I cannot guarantee that the Kansas City Chiefs will get that win. Um, as you know, Denver won and they improved to two and four against the Tennessee Titans, who uh, lost sixteen to nothing. But that that's going to be a short week for Kansas City, and by the reports saying that Patrick Mahomes has an injured ankle. It's going to be interesting to see um, what plays out. Um, if he decides to play, limit himself on the mobility a little bit, I'm not sure, but that that's going to be a game to look out for week seven. Um, you have Pittsburgh with their third-string quarterback, um, Delvin Hodges, against the struggling Chargers, two and four on the season, and... Steelers come away with the victory 24 to 17 and um Devlin Hodges coming in for Mason Rudolph. Luckily Mason Rudolph is will probably get cleared in the next couple of weeks. So that's good to see from what a hard hit he had against the Ravens, but 132 yards for Devlin Hodges and what what really killed the Chargers in my opinion. Melvin Gordon, his first game back, essentially, and he only got 18 yards on eight carries. The run game was non-existent, and Phillip Rivers had 
two interceptions. So turnovers played a huge part in this um, victory for the Pittsburgh Steelers in that Sunday night game. And um, can they hold it down until Mason Rudolph gets back? Next week they have a bye week so they can prepare, be healthy for the next week's game after that. But um, Devlin Hodges looked all right. Um until Mason Rudolph can get back and um the Mike Tomlin they're trying to find a way for um him to be a successful coach with what he has but it's very hard when Ben Roethlisberger's out for the season and Mason Rudolph is in the concussion protocol so um other score lines the Ravens over the Bengals 23 to 17 there the Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles, 38-20. to Funny story in this one, Zach Brown, a former Redskin, believe it or not, said Kirk Cousins is the weakest part of the Minnesota Vikings or something like that. I, I can't quote it exactly, but I think that's around what he said. But he, he said he's the weakest part of the offense. Then... Kirk Cousins in this game at home um, goes out, throws four touchdowns, 333 yards, and the Eagles looked the, the Eagles looked all right, but uh, the Vikings showed the Eagles what they were really about, and he they essentially silenced Zach Brown. Kirk Cousins essentially silenced. Mac Brown, and then, not Mac Brown, Zach Brown, excuse me, I'm sorry, I said Mac Brown, <laughs> but anyways, then reports state that today, Zach Brown got released, so interesting development there, a lot of teams could be looking into Mac Brown for free agency, so that, and... I'm not sure what else. I think we ta- basically talked about everything there. New England beat New York um, turnover on the Thursday night game, 35-14. to um, 14. But other than that, I think I covered it all. Um, there was a London game, the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 37-26 to 26 Carolina with a win. So, and that wraps up my week six storylines. Um, okay, coming up next, we have Fantasy Football Files with Jason Kamlowski. And when we return, I will have MLB playoffs updates from the NL and ALCS. Getting you set for the World Series. Who will make it to the World Series? You're listening to the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. We'll be back shortly. Hey guys, welcome back to the Week 7 Fantasy Football Files. This is Jason Kimlowski from Dynasty Football Digest coming to you from my basement where I'm watching a little bit of Wednesday Night Football right now. Uh, as always, want to thank Josh for having me on and uh, just want to say congratulations to him and all of uh, the city of Washington for the Nationals getting to the World Series, man. That's absolutely awesome. Um, big thing for the city, you know, actually I'm a Pirates fan 
in baseball, but I really don't mind the Nationals that much. I uh, I like going down to Nats Park. I went down there earlier this year and, and saw a game, caught a game uh, during a midweek afternoon. You know, if you ride the Metro in, it's not bad to get in there. Um, you know, they've done a great job building up around the stadium. So I actually really um, kind of dig, you know, what the Nationals have going on. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of cool to see what they've done this year. You know, they they lose Bryce Harper last offseason, which was just tough. And, uh, you know, but then you know, they add, obviously, Patrick Corbin, and that's that's kind of worked out exactly how I think they probably thought it would, you know, with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin to kind of, you know, get them through the playoffs. I mean, those those three, especially Strasburg, he's just been so good this year. But those three have, have kind of done – you know, I think exactly what management probably thought that they were going to do. So, you know, just a lot of props to the Nationals and and for Nationals fans, congratulations because I mean that's a really a really cool thing. You know, as a Pirates fan, I'm I'm definitely envious of you know how they've kind of kept that thing going despite losing a guy like Bryce Harper. So, uh, you know, the Nationals are are probably the one team in Washington I can fully get behind. You know, um, not a big Capitals guy. Well, actually, I hate the Capitals. I'm a I'm a Pens fan. Um, you know, the Redskins really t- honestly aren't really worth even talking about. Um, you know, I can, I can get on board with the Wizards. I like going down and watching NBA games. That's, that's kind of cool. Cause you know, growing up near Pittsburgh, we didn't have an NBA team. So you know, I kind of get on board with the Wizards, but yeah, congratulations to, uh, to all you Nats fans out there. That's awesome. So, you know, just kind of doing what we normally do here, recapping a little bit of week six stuff. I mean, you know, last week was, um, you know, we, we saw last week, you know, it started off kind of with um, the London game Sunday morning and Jameis Winston just so bad, 400 yards, five interceptions, just absolutely horrific. Um, but, you know, even the thing is with him throwing five interceptions, you know, Mike Evans and, and Chris Godman, and I've said this on here before, you know, I think Chris Godman is the wide receiver one in Tampa Bay. I mean, right now he's a wide receiver one in fantasy overall. But, you know, him and Evans, you know, when they when they have this kind of volume, when, you know, when they're throwing the ball 50 sometimes a game, um, you know, that can support two, two wide receivers for fantasy purposes. And obviously Evans had a, a blow up game a couple of weeks ago and then, you know, went, I think nine for 96 on Sunday. Um, you know, and Godwin had just a monster day, you know, 10 for 150 yards. I mean, didn't get in the end zone, but you know, whether it's a PPR or not, I mean, that'll play all day. Uh, you know, as long as Bruce Arians is there, I mean, they're, they're going to throw the ball. They don't really have, you know, obviously the running game. So, I mean, I, you know, Tampa, I mean, it is what it is, you know, they're, they're bad in real life, but for fantasy purposes, you know, that that's kind of exactly what we want, you know, a defense that's, that's very average and, you know, an offense that just loves to put them on the air. So, you know, keep going back to the well with those guys. Um, you know, I mean, Jameis, obviously with the interceptions, you know, you just, you never know what you're going to get with him from week to week. But, you know, with this type of volume, I mean, Jameis is obviously a guy that, um, you know, you've got to consider, you know, with bye weeks coming up and things like that. I mean, you could do way worse. So, um, you know, and, and this is kind of the point in the season where we get into, you know, believe it or not, uh, in some leagues, the regular season is probably half over, um, you know, moving into week seven. I know some regular seasons end you know, after week 12. So we're, we're kind of at that halfway point. And I've, you know, I've had some questions and this is kind of getting off of what we normally do here, but I've had some questions this week about, you know, from some people who have either, um, you know, DM me on Twitter or, or sent me text messages, you know, people I know. And kind of the neat thing about my day job being a principal is, you know, I get to, I get to meet so many different people, you know, students and teachers and, you know, people from, from around the different counties. So, um, you know, sometimes the questions I'm getting are from former students, which is kind of cool, but, 
you know, I'm getting some questions where, you know, people are sending me their rosters and they're like, you know, I'm one and five, I'm two and four, you know, what do I need to be doing? You know, where is this going wrong? And it's like, well, you know, your team's just underperforming. Um, and, you know, I've told a couple of people, you know, some of this stuff for better or worse is just luck. Um, you know, the, the one roster I looked at, you know, somebody sent me, you know, they had, they had, um, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. on their team and, uh, you know, they had, um, like Josh Gordon on their team who they probably picked up late. Um, and, and they had Ezekiel Elliott on their team, you know, and if, and if you drafted or managed to either, you know, draft and obviously probably keep either Zeke or Odell Beckham Jr., um, you know, you you've just kind of run into a string of of bad luck with those guys. You know, I think everybody coming in thought you know Beckham would just be like this ridiculous you know wide receiver now that he's finally playing with a real quarterback. But you know, and I've talked about this before, and we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. You know, just the Browns at their price coming into the year was just you know you were talking like a top five percent outcome for these guys to all hit. Um, you know, and honestly, I thought Beckham would probably be the one that was that was least likely to not hit. But you know, when when you look at the teams that you have, and you know, you wonder, you know, just you know, kind of, oh, how did I get here? You know, from a record standpoint, I mean, some of it is just, uh, you know, it's it's not that you even drafted poorly. It's just. You know, you're just you're just unlucky because between injuries and and you know guys just not producing the way we thought they were going to produce. You know, unfortunately, you know sometimes these things happen. And and I've built fantasy teams before, and I've come out of the draft, and I've thought, you know, this this team's really really strong. And you know, I've I've basically been at a point where I'm you know one and five, two and four, three and three after after six weeks, and it's it's tough to. You know, it's a tough pill to swallow because you feel like you did so many things right on draft night. But, you know, like probably one of the better teams that I have right now, you know, it's a one-keeper league. And I, I kept Dalvin Cook, which uh, the main reason I kept Dalvin Cook was because Melvin Gordon was holding out. And had Melvin Gordon not been holding out, I probably would have would have held, you know, would have kept Melvin Gordon, which would have been a mistake. So, you know, I get lucky because Gordon, Gordon holds out and, you know, I keep Dalvin Cook and – you know, in the first round of that draft, I took David Johnson, who's been reasonable. I mean, you know, for for a first round pick, he's he's been pretty good. Um, I mean, I can't say he's been uh, what I thought he was going to be, but you know, he's he's been he's been solid for a first round pick. I mean, the floor has definitely been there, and I mean, it's it's obviously helped. You know, his receiving, you know, his receiving usage, um, and and the Cardinals' passing games obviously helped. You know, so he's had a weekly floor, you know, typically around, you know, 14 to 15 points in a half-point PPR. Um, you know, but, like, even Zach Ertz, who I took in the third round, I mean, he's, he's, been, he's been very average. You know, I thought Zach Ertz would be much better than what he is, but he's been very average. But where I've, where I've really got lucky is, you know, I did draft Chris Godwin. I did draft Lamar Jackson. Um, I got Tyler Boyd, who's had a couple ceiling weeks. You know, and then and then on top of that, I picked up DJ Shark. So, you know, some of it is, you know, I thought Jackson had a chance. I thought Lamar Jackson had a chance to hit. I think I took him in like the 13th or 14th round of this league, and this is a 12-team redraft league with one keeper. But, you know, to get Lamar Jackson in the 12th or 13th round, I mean, I, I think you can make a case right now for Lamar Jackson being, you know, the number three or four quarterback in fantasy. Um, but, but those are the type of things that happen – 
you know, and, and when you get in a situation where you draft someone like Lamar Jackson, you draft someone like Chris Godwin, and honestly, like the team I'm talking about right now, I mean, I'm probably hitting a top 5% outcome with them. You know, Godwin's the best, you know, the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Jackson's like the number two quarterback in fantasy right now. I mean, I, you know, I expected both of those guys to perform. I didn't, I did not expect them to perform like this. You know, and you throw in Dalvin Cook, who's, I think, the number two running back in fantasy. I mean, it's, it's no wonder this team is five and one. But, you know, the thing is, you know, some other teams that you look at, you know, like the one that I, I was telling you guys about with, with Beckham and Zeke, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to forecast that out and and say that those two are gonna just you know be so, and I don't want to say bad, but just so average. I mean, they they both of those teams have just been so you know grotesquely average. Um, you know, and and Zeke was probably the number one pick for a lot of people overall, and and you're just not getting the production out of him. And and the Cowboys have been bad for the last three weeks. So if you're depending on guys like that, I mean, some of that, you know, it's it's not that you did anything wrong, you know, on draft night. I mean, who wouldn't look at, you know, Zeke Elliott as a top five pick? But if you took him in the top five, um, you know, and the rest of your draft was, was just kind of iffy, I mean, it, you know, you're going to have a hard time rebounding from that unless you get two or three guys that can make up the point value that you missed out on if, if you took Zeke over someone like Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. Um, or Devontae Adams before he got hurt. So, you know, when when we're looking at our fantasy teams, I think now is a good time to kind of to adjust where you're at because, you know, in most leagues, unless you're zero and six or one and five, you know, you've you've probably you're still in the hunt. You know, like one of my biggest leagues right now. Um, I mean, half the league is sitting at three and three. You know, it's a twelve team league, and half the teams are sitting at three and three. So. You know, and and we've got a one and five team and two two and four teams, and everybody else is three and three or four and two and five and one. So, you know, of the of the twelve teams in the league, nine of them are at three and three or better. Which you know, every I mean, it just gives everybody a chance. And even even honestly, the two and four teams can't feel that bad about where they are because if they win a game this week and a couple of teams lose, you know, they're kind of at a point where. Um, you know they're they're going to be you know stuck in kind of this three and four log jam, so you know I think I think it's one of those things where like this is a good time to kind of reset yourself if you're in that if you're at that point where you're zero and six you're one and five and and you're in a keeper league I think you've got to make some decisions coming up because you know you've at some point you've just got to decide to start working towards next year. You know, and if you've got some assets you can trade off and get yourself a better keeper, I think that's definitely something that you need to be looking to do. Um, you know, in our Slack chat today, I think somebody uh, mentioned that they had a chance to get Alvin Kamara for it was um, it was Alvin Kamara for Le'Veon Bell, and I think it was Michael Gallup. And I mean, I I said one hundred percent do that deal. You know, get Kamara. He's the best player in the deal by far. You know, yes, you're giving up Lev Bell back end wide receiver one. Yes, you're giving up Michael Gallup. You know, wide receiver two with upside, but still, uh, I think anytime you know you can, if you're a team that's like I said, one and you know one and five, zero oh and six. You know, if you're after this week, if you're God, you know, if you're zero oh and seven or, or one and six. I mean, I think those are the type of deals in a in a redraft league with with a keeper or two that you kind of look to make to to see if you can get a better keeper for next year and and you know you just you just do that and you just scrap this year and you say you know what you know you don't tank per se but 
you know, you try to get yourself somebody who's better than, than maybe anybody else you have in your roster, even if it means trading off two or three pieces of somebody. And of course that'll upset people in your league. And, you know, just to be clear, um, you know, you shouldn't care about that. Vetoes are terrible. You know, nobody should really, you know, I think if you're playing fantasy and, and you're paying your money with everybody else, you know, I think everybody should just kind of agree to the fact that you're all grown men and, you know, vetoes are ridiculous, but, um, you know, I, I just think those are the types of moves you need to be making because at some point, you know, playing for this year it, it just becomes something that you just can't realistically do. So, you know, take a hard look at your team, take a hard look at yourself and, and go back through your draft. I mean, I, I do this every year. I go back through my drafts and I say, you know, who did I take and who could I have taken? Um, you know, instead, if they didn't work out and, you know, maybe try to see where I made mistakes and, and try to see where I can do better next year. And truthfully, the only thing you can do is learn, um, you know, and try to get better. So, you know, that, that might be something for those of you out there that, you know, maybe your season's not going quite the way you hoped it, it would. Um, just a little bit of advice to maybe try to position yourself better next year, you know, at least start out with, with one stud player, but that's, you know, that's always been something I've tried to do in leagues that, you know, maybe it is not working out quite the way I thought it was going to. So, you know, position yourself for 2020. There's no shame in it. Um, you know, if you're in a state where you can do this, go throw a hundred dollars on FanDuel or DraftKings and, um, you know, start playing the daily stuff because that, that stuff's fun too. And there's a little bit of strategy involved there and, you know, it'll take the sting out of this a little bit. And, you know, you can play that all the way to the Super Bowl, So at least give you something to do. So, um, you know, just looking at, uh, this week coming up, um, uh, you know, and just recapping some things from last week. You already talked Jameis, you know, the the game in Arizona definitely was a shootout, which I, I think a lot of people saw coming um, for DFS purposes. I played Matt Ryan and Lamar or um, Connor Murray um, last week, which definitely worked out. Um, I play in a league, and I, I might have mentioned this, I play in a league where you pick one guy, um, and you and you can't use him the rest of the year, and it's over the course of sixteen weeks. And over that course of sixteen weeks, you've got to use four quarterbacks, four running backs, five receivers, two tight ends, and, and two defenses. Um, and last week, I I used Matt Ryan, which really worked out. Um, you know, and I've had a, a week where I used Keenan Allen. That one really worked out. So that's kind of a fun league. But yeah, I mean, last week in the you know in Arizona, I mean that was just that game kind of played out the way we thought that it would um from a passing standpoint i think it's a little easier sometimes with some of these teams have a, a more narrow route tree um to kind of nail down and see where we want to attack these defenses and, and see what we can do um obviously i think most most of the time uh you know the the atlanta defense is, is definitely an attackable defense same thing with arizona i mean they just they just run so many plays um you know teams have a lot of opportunities for them to, you know, to score a lot of points. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins obviously, I mean, had a monster game. Stephon Diggs coming back, rising from the dead, I, you know, and I, I kind of saw that one coming a little bit, you know, just kind of the squeaky wheel narrative there with Diggs. And, you know, he's kind of been begging for the ball the last couple of weeks and sitting out of practice and things like that. Um, you know, Cousins had one of those ceiling weeks last week, but he only chewed the ball 29 times, which, you know, just crazy efficiency, 333 yards, four touchdowns, just, just, just stupid good efficiency. Um, 
if, if he could get to like 35 pass attempts, I, I would be much more enamored with Kirk Cousins. But, I mean, the, just the ceiling just isn't there when it comes to pass attempts. So, you know, if he can get Diggs more involved, that's a good thing because Diggs is the big play guy in that offense and Thielen's obviously the, you know, the underneath guy and the possession guy. But, you know, Cousins is probably available out there if you're if you're willing to kick the tires on somebody, you know, but I, I still think this is a run-first offense. Um, you know, the Vikings schedule is kind of favorable coming up. They avoid the Bears, I believe, until week 17. So, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about them. But I, I just think of the way Mike Zimmer wants to play, it's just so hard to trust anybody else in that offense outside of maybe Thielen and, and Dalvin Cook. So, you know, kind of tread lightly there. I, I would still be real careful with, with what I do with that offense. Um, you know, if you drafted Thielen, you drafted Diggs, I, you know, I think you've got to start both of them weekly. Obviously, you're going to start Dalvin Cook every week. Um, you know, the tight ends are unusable there, but I, I think the decision you might have to make is with like a Kirk Cousins and, and, you know, maybe he's a matchup play for you, depending on where you went with quarterback. Um, but you know, just, a, just a great week last week. I think you also got to talk, you know, Russell Wilson, 295 yards passing, two touchdowns going into Cleveland. I mean, just, you know, just, he's probably the MVP of the league right now. You know, Russ is just having one of those, just, just a great year. Um, you know, and, and that whole Seattle offense has kind of played well. I mean, Chris Carson had a monster game. I played him last week on FanDuel and DraftKings. I, I think I had him in 100% of my lineups. But, I mean, Carson was just insane last week with, with you know, 124 yards and a touchdown. He got involved in the passing game. So if you had him in a PPR, I mean, he was like a 25-point PPR guy last week, which is just a monster game. Um, you know, talking a little bit about Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's like – I think the third quarterback in history, though, to to throw for 250 yards in the game and then run for 150 yards in the game. You know, what he's doing is just incredible. He was actually the league's leading rusher last week. And, you know, I wasn't sure that he would get to 1,000 yards rushing this year. But honestly, it looks like he has an outside chance of doing that. Um, and, and I don't know that he'll get the volume down the stretch because especially if it looks like the Ravens might win that division and, you know, they're going to get to the playoffs and, and they're going to need, you know, Lamar Jackson to be healthy for the playoffs. They may limit his workload a little bit, but, you know, he just, I mean, he's just doing some incredible things at the quarterback position right now. Um, you know, and obviously if you own him, you love it. Um, he, I mean, I would not suggest selling him. I think everything he's doing is for real. I think he can keep it up over the course of the season. You know, in my biggest money league, I have no intentions of getting rid of him. So, I mean, Lamar Jackson, if you drafted him, congratulations, good work. Um, you know, and enjoy it. So, looking at some running backs, I already talked Carson. <clears throat> On the other side of that game, Nick Chubb, 122 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he just ran all over Seattle. Um, you know, kind of an odd spot for him last week. Not somebody that I definitely would have said is 100% a startable guy. I think, you know, I think for Chubb, it's he's kind of in that position now where if you have him, you're starting him. But, you know, if you had, you know, maybe a possible better option, I mean, maybe you could look at that. But uh, I didn't think the matchup was great. But again, he, he, you know, he got it done, which kind of seems to be his shtick is that he, you know, he, he'll he'll not do so well in some of the easier matchups and then he blows up in a matchup like this so good for nick chubb um you know adrian peterson the the donkey bill callahan said that they wanted to run the ball more and and i mean they did against miami i mean he had somehow adrian peterson managed to get 23 carries last week i just i, I don't understand it but they won the game i mean just two of the worst teams in football and i mean but adrian peterson's like 130 years old still doing this so good on him um, Carlos Hyde had a really nice game though. Speaking of guys that are a little older, 
Um, you know, Hyde kind of Hyde had a really nice week last week. Uh, went over 100 yards on the ground, a couple touchdowns. I think he got one through the air, maybe or maybe not. But I, I know he definitely scored the one on the ground. Um, and Hyde has kind of been a nice find this year um, for the Texans. You know, they picking him up, obviously how they did. Um, but he he's kind of been he's kind of been a nice find for them. So, you know, Carlos Hyde come coming through. You know, last week, and and I think he's one of those guys where maybe he's like a fringe starter for you every week. And uh, I mean, again, like I don't think last week was was the matchup that I would have suggested starting him. I mean, I would have went, you know, Duke Johnson all day over Carlos Hyde last week just because I thought you know that game would kind of go into shootout mode, which it did. But but it seems like teams are trying to run the ball against the Chiefs to keep Mahomes off the field. Um, so I guess in hindsight, that was a bad call on my part because. I mean, Hyde would be the perfect back for that to kind of keep keep the Chiefs' offense off the field. I mean, twenty six carries is, you know, that's a healthy that's a healthy carry count. So, I mean, I don't know that he's going to get that every week, but if you can get him on those peak weeks and you can kind of get those ceiling games from him, I mean, Carlos Hyde is definitely a good fantasy asset. So, um, you know, we talked about Zeke Elliott, just three point eight yards per carry against the Jets. I mean, just horrific. Um, and the Jets just really took it to the Cowboys for most of the afternoon. They came out pretty pretty fired up, I think. I'm a little disappointed in the Cowboys showing all together. I know Mark Cooper got hurt, so Gallup was kind of out there running around as the number one receiver, and it, it just didn't look right. Um, you know, it's hard to say what's going to happen with Coop. It doesn't look like he's going to play this week, so, you know, they'll be they'll be down, you know, potentially in Mark Cooper, um, you know, Hopefully Gallup can set up, step up, and have a good week this week. Maybe we see Randall Cobb get into things, but you know I would think that they would start to lean on Zeke a little bit more, um, you know, in the passing game. But it, it just seems like they're content with just running him straight into the line. I, I just don't understand Jason Garrett, and I probably never will. Um, speaking of coaches, I don't understand. I mean Jamal Williams, hundred and four car- or hundred four yards and fourteen carries. I, you know. I, play Aaron Jones I mean Aaron Jones and this is why I suggested getting you know trading Aaron Jones after the ceiling week against or against Dallas was because they just are they're just intent on running Jamal Williams which I don't understand I mean I just I don't understand I don't get it Aaron Jones is legitimately good he can do a lot of things with football in his hand and yet we are going to come out and give Jamal Williams 14 carries and give give Aaron Jones 11 a week after he scored four touchdowns against the, the, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Don't understand it. Um, but, you know, NFL coaches, you just can't understand what they do. Um, James Conner had a big game Sunday night. Got back into the receiving role, too. Seven catchers, 78 yards, <clears throat> which honestly it sounds like that's kind of what the Steelers are going to do, no matter if it's Rudolph or Duck Hodges back there. Um, sounds like they're going to you know run these short routes. So I'd say Connor um, is going to be heavily involved. I know Benny Stavall, I think, got 14 carries um, last Sunday. But, I mean, I would say that's more of a, um, an exception than a rule because I just I can't see them continuing to give him 14 carries. Um, I mean, I think Connor is going to be the back to own there. Um, just looking down through. You know, Deshaun Watson, ten, I mean, he has a quarterback, you know, him. And, you know, you kind of talk about him with – in the same breath as Lamar Jackson a little bit, but he had 10 carries for 42 yards and two touchdowns, which, <clears throat> you know, put him in, I mean, would have put him in RB1 territory for last week. Um, you know, Latavius Murray had a nice game, only got eight carries, but, you know, ran for 44 yards, which is a healthy 5.5 yards per carry. I mean, if, if someone happened to Alvin Kamara, 
Um, Murray might be a league winner, so you know, keep him on your your radar um, as somebody. Maybe if you've got a back end roster spot and you're you're in the playoff hunt, maybe keep him in mind. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook had a down week. He did fall into the end zone. You know, he's still getting involvement in the pass game, which is good. Um, had high hopes for Lev Bell than 14 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown. Also didn't do a whole lot in the passing game. I, th- I thought Bell would have a bigger game, especially given what Aaron Jones did a week before. Um, you know, Sonny Michelle, 22 carries for 86 yards. Somehow Tom Brady scored like eight touchdowns on just one yard dive plays, which made no sense to me. But, um... You know, Michelle, that's a good sign to get 22 carries for 86 yards for him. I mean, that's that's a good sign for him. Um, yeah, just, I mean, a couple others. I mean, Mark Ingram, um, which I think honestly was probably a little disappointing with just the 13 carries or 52 yards against Cincinnati. I thought for sure if there was never an opportunity for him to get 52 carries, that would have been it. Um, but it seemed like somebody wanted to steal his helmet or, or something. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, just – odd what happened there um so but you know maybe you know not steals helmet but steel carries john harbaugh just does some weird things though putting like gus edwards in like the goal line and honestly they almost blew it because the the bengals had a chance to onside kick late and i just thought you know what you're gonna get what you deserve here harbaugh i hope they get this and they go down and score for running gus edwards straight into the line three straight times and kicking a field goal um, it's just so conservative sometimes from him. I mean, I want to like, I want to like Harbaugh, but I just can't. Uh, receiver wise, you know, we talked Diggs, we talked Godwin. You know, Robbie Anderson had a big game, five for twenty-five and a touchdown, or five for one twenty-five and a touchdown. Kind of got behind the Dallas defense for like an eighty-two yard touchdown, which made up most of his yardage in his touchdown that day. Um, you know, same thing with Kenny Galladay, five for buck twenty-one. Austin Hooper continues just crush the tight end position eight for a buck 17 and a touchdown you know edelman had a big game last week julio quietly had 100 yards against arizona um george kittle starting to get going even golden tate got into the action with 102 yards and a touchdown um odo beckham had a nice game probably one of his better games of the year he cleared 100 yards last week i know it wasn't really what you know we were we were probably hoping for we were probably hoping for more touchdowns and things like that but you still got to be encouraged by the fact he's getting to 100 yards and i know he's being targeted pretty heavy but um probably there's one rider receiver that i really want to talk about um and that's Terry McLaurin, who just continues to put up these huge games, these huge numbers. You know, four catches, hundred yards, two touchdowns. I know it's against Miami, but I mean he's been doing this all year, year, you know, week in, week out. And, you know, he's a Washington guy and uh gotta give love to the Redskins because honestly, I mean he he's just really good at getting open. Um, I think as long as Case Keenum's a quarterback, I mean, he's going to continue to be good. Um, you know, and obviously if you own him, I mean, the price on him is probably not prohibitive at all. I mean, in some dynasty leagues I'm in, in rookie drafts, he was going in like the third or fourth round, which is low for a rookie draft. Um, but, you know, I'd love Terry McLaurin. Love him. F1, I mean, which is what I think he wants his, um, his nickname to be. I don't, I don't think he cares for Scary Terry, but... Um, you know, Tyreek Hill got back in action. I mean, the one catch he had was absolutely absurd. Just went up and, and just hung in the air and absolutely just took a ball, um, you know, off the, off the, I think it was Tyron Matthew of the Texans. I mean, it was just a ridiculous catch. But he goes five for 80 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, he would be a guy that I would be looking to get on my roster if I could, but it looks like the window for that is probably closed. Um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, 10 catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. It's like the most Alshon Jeffrey line in the history of Alshon Jeffrey lines. Um, just absolutely no after the catch for him whatsoever. 
Um, you know, and receivers always just, I mean, you just have so many productive receivers out there. Um, when I did my waivers this week, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm like the number two priority in my biggest league. And I, I didn't even go for anybody just cause I knew there'd be so many guys out there that I could, you know, maybe try to burn a roster spot for, um, you know, so just <clears throat> a lot of receivers out there to produce. Um, but again, let's let's go back to just one thing we talked about earlier. Look at where your team's at, see what your needs are. You know, if you are in a position where you think that you know you're one in five, zero and six, and your season's you know either drawing to an end or is already over. You know, if you're drawing dead, then then try to go out, get yourself a better keeper for next year. Um, you know, package some guys together. You know, try to try to make another team stronger without you know completely just taking their best player from them and making them bad. But I mean, that's that's a strategy to employ. And then if you are five and one, four and two, six and zero, oh, you know, I think you've got to be looking at ways to to improve probably the the back end of your roster as much as anything. Um, you know, being a being a, a David Johnson owner, being a Dalvin Cook owner. Um, you know, I own both of their handcuffs, which, you know, I've never been like a huge handcuff guy, but I think in, in the way things are now, you know, to me, it'd be a real shame to run through like 12 games and be really good and then have like Dalvin Cook go down with like a, you know, a broken collarbone. Um, you know, I have to just scramble for a backup or hope I had high enough waiver priority to get his backup. So rather than do that, you know, I've already got him on the back end of my roster, which you know, I know everybody will agree with, but I think I think it's just important to have that and I've got the room, so you know, I may as well do it. But you know, look at your roster this week, see where you can improve, see if there's guys that maybe you can get um, you know, that might solidify a spot. You know, if you're weak, everybody's weak at tight end, but if if you're weak at like your your, you know, R B two or your wide receiver two three, you know, package a guy together um with somebody else or, or send, you know, one guy who you think is an upgrade to to the other owner for whatever reason for for two you know maybe two guys to help um your own roster and i think i wouldn't be content i mean that's how you lose you know if you get to six and oh five and one and you think you know oh i'm, I'm just going to cruise to the playoffs um that that's not a good mindset to be in i mean this is a time when we're starting to make a push and uh and we want to we want to get you guys to the to the finish line hopefully with a championship in your hand so you know those are the things that i'm looking to do in my own leagues this year or this week i've I've made a couple deals already nothing major you know mostly small deals where i'm, I'm just trying to um, flip some some older guys in dynasty for some draft picks but you know be looking at your teams um you know make decisions that that are gonna you know hopefully affect you you know down the down the road maybe three four weeks i mean be proactive um you know, and just and just be trying to improve. You know, just mean you know whether it's for this year, for next year, whatever it is. So, you know, we're halfway there uh, in the regular season for the most part. You know, but we're going to keep cranking this out. Um, again, I just I want to thank Josh for having me on. Um, Nationals fans, congratulations. Um, Steelers fans, which I'm one of them, congratulations on our big win Sunday night. But uh, you know, that's that's pretty much all I've got for week seven, and we will see you next week for week eight. Uh, best of luck this week. Hope everybody gets a win. The Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, part of the Mayo Please Podcast Network, is sponsored by Route 11 Chips. Make sure you grab a bag today inside your local Martins, Food Lion, and Giant stores. And our new sponsor and fellow sports fans at PM Plus Reserves. 
providing reserve studies for homeowner and condominium associations in the Washington metropolitan area for the past 30 years. Make sure you check us out on all streaming platforms via the Mayo Please and the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast. You can also find the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, along with the Mayo Please on Twitter. Have any questions for the show? Feel free to shoot us an email at kirbyonsports at gmail.com. Back with you on the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, as always, brought to you by Red 11 Chips and PM Plus Reserves. Thanks once again to Jason Kamlowski each and every week for doing fantasy football files, as always. So getting right back into it, before we went to the break, I totally forgot to mention the Monday night football game, the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. Green Bay with a 24-yard field goal to win the game. And there was some questionable officiating that the NFL admitted today that they were wrong. And there were two calls that shouldn't have been called. So uh, my, I, I don't really have a stance on that because I, I know officials are humans. They make mistakes. But the, the, it gave the Packers the win. The NFL admitted that. But... The the thing is they make mistakes and officials can't be perfect. You know, that that's my stance on things, but I I've seen a lot of people um mad about this and Packers ended up winning because of it. There were two late penalties um that shouldn't have been called and it came down to the fact that the Packers won off of it. And um a lot of fans are angry about that, but it's it's just life, but you you know I feel sorry for the Lions. They played a heck of a great game, a division matchup. Yeah, you can never go wrong with a Monday night division matchup in the NFC North. So um, a uh, very great game nonetheless. Um, I thought the Lions were gonna take it there for a little while, but Aaron Rodgers coming back doing what he does best and um, winning football games and set Mason Crosby up for a game-winning field goal. So yeah, I, I forgot to touch on that previously. Just wanted to touch on that now. But um, moving on, I want to talk about playoff baseball. The Nats have defeated the Los Angeles Dodgers, and what a game that was. It went into 10 innings, 10 innings, and there was a walk-off, not a walk-off, what was it, The um, the, just an amazing grand slam. I thought it was a walk-off for some reason, but Howie Kendrick, what, what a guy. With the bases loaded in the 10th inning, with a grand slam. And you know how the Nats are notorious for not getting out of the division series. Um, the, I mean, the Dodgers were up three to nothing for the most part of that baseball game. And the Nats came back and the, as the Nationals motto, what they like to say, they're still in the fight. They're staying in the fight. And, Howie Kendrick was a big part. They walked Soto to get Kendrick up to load the bases and knock the game wide open 7-3. to The Nationals, for the first time in franchise history, 
um, are moving on to a championship series. Um, they're, they ended up playing the St. Louis Cardinals, who beat the Braves to clinch the championship series 13-1. to And what a game that was, um, the Nats and the Dodgers. But what's even more surprising, the Nats have not won one, not won two, but won three in a row in the series against St. Louis. Beat St. Louis twice on the road. They won the game last night in Washington, and they are playing tonight at 8.05 as we are recording. Tonight, they're 3-0 in the series. If they win tonight, the Nationals are going to the uh, the World Series, and that's amazing. What well, The history from... The Capitals, what what fanmanship, the fan base, everything about that ride the Capitals had that they won the Stanley Cup. It's about to happen all over again if the Nats win this ball game. And every it's just a different atmosphere. And the fans that are gonna come out, the fan base is gonna grow and grow if the Nationals make it to the World Series. And before it was more iconic when the Capitals won because it was the first DC championship in who knows how long. But now you have the Nationals who are falling right behind the um, Capitals and could bring another championship to DC. So DC fans are getting very excited for this opportunity, I have to say. And I, I will be buckled in. I will be buckled in. I cannot wait to see the result of this game, as always. So, um, Nats 3-0 against the St. Louis Cardinals. They're, and the Cardinals are trying everything they can to win this baseball game. They're making moves left and right, pulling people up, sitting people on the bench. So, the the Cardinals are on their last leg today. But if the Cardinals manage to pull out a game today, there's another game tomorrow. In Washington. So Washington has about three or four more games to four more games to win one more to go to the World Series. So if the St. Louis Cardinals pull off this comeback and make it to the World Series, that's a big choke job. But if the Nationals can stay strong, their pitching has looked great. They have not had to go into the bullpen that much this se- um this series which is great because I was worried about the bullpen throughout this series but they have they put Corbin in on relief I remember Scherzer came in on a few relief appearances in the last series against Los Angeles but then you have Daniel Hudson and Sean Doolittle two of the top closers for the Nationals and they're trying to make history and it's going to be fun to watch the Nats in the St. Louis Cardinals on tonight, 8.05. The Astros and the Yankees on the American League side of things. Um, Astros tied it up 1-1 in the series after a Carlos Correa 11th inning walk-off home run before sending the series back to New York. Uh, That game is currently going on as we are recording top of the fifth, and the Houston Astros are winning 2 to nothing right now. So if the Nationals manage to pull this win off tonight, 
uh, they might have a long break to determine who the Nationals might play in the World Series between the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. So Astros best record in baseball. They have great pitcher. They have a great pitcher in Justin Verlander. And you know the Yankees. The history of the Yankees. It's it's gonna be an iconic series between the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. They have played in the NLCS before. So this isn't new, but it's always a battle between the Astros and the Yankees in years past in the playoffs. So that that's playoff baseball for you. Playoff baseball, that's as exciting as it's going to get for you. So uh, I can't wait. We will have updates to come um, next week for sure. So I, I, I just cannot wait to see the result of how this series is going to go how, how who who's going to make it to the world series then the world series it's just iconic amazing october baseball playoff baseball is a totally different atmosphere so uh enough ranting with that moving on to my last topic before we wrap things up um the nationals have a chance of getting to the world series um but before that happened, the Washington Mystics made history, running it back with their first ever WNBA title. Yes, indeed. Um, last year, um, the Mystics were in the finals but fell short. This year, their motto was run it back in the playoffs. They ran it back against the Connecticut Sun and won the, won the title. And another big championship for DC Sports there. So congratulations to the Washington Mystics there. Um, but Elena Del Don, um, their power um, player for the Mystics, is throwing out the first pitch. So hopefully a little magic in the DC Sports world going into tonight's game. But that about wraps things up for this episode of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. I told you there's a lot to talk about here. So, yep, I appreciate you all listening. As always, you can catch us on the Mayo Please and the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast on all streaming platforms. As always, we're part of the Mayo Please Podcast Network, brought to you by Red 11 Chips and PM Plus Reserves. Thanks, as always, to JRB's official MPT Now Productions and Dave Johnson for everything you do for the podcast. And until next week, the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast saying so long, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace out. Oh, 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 oh.